0: And hello, Stevie Mans. How goes it?
1: Goes well. Goes well. It's very early on a Sunday.
0: Oh, for me, this is, it's practically still Saturday. That's how early it is <laughs> on a Sunday. And
1: <laughs> mm. as you
0: can hear from my voice, I'm on tour and singing. And this is what the mornings sound like. But I get to sound cool until my morning voice shakes off. So that's great.
1: Well, why don't you do your "In a World"?
0: In a world, see, I don't even have to try it with the morning voice.
1: In I love a world, that. <laughs> when you do the rundown, you could <laughs> wow. just start with that.
0: I will. I'm going to try not to warm up my voice at all as we do this beginning part. Welcome in everyone to Set Phasers, a highly logical Star Trek podcast. Today's start date is start at two three five zero three one nine point one. And we're talking about Picard, season three, episode five, entitled "Imposters." Indeed. Yes. Well, I mean, we think we know who and what and where the imposters are, but we do learn some things that had some concerns for me earlier. Before we get into the episode, though, we got to take care of a little, a little housekeeping.
1: Join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash setphasers. And that's all. I'm feeling brief today. Yeah.
0: That's all you got to know. That's all you got to know.
1: We're hooking up next Sunday for a live Zoom session, and we would love to see you there at patreon.com forward slash set
0: Indeed. Before my voice warms up, why don't we run it down? It's time to run it down. Can you run it down mm-hmm. for me? Talking about the car down. Mm-hmm. Oh, run it
1: down. Mm-hmm. down.
0: The son of Jean-Luc Picard is dreaming, maybe. He's dressed as a Starfleet officer, and walks on the bridge and kills the entire bridge crew, except for one person, who he walks up to as they're trying to crawl away, and they say they know who he is, and he, with tears in his eyes, holds a phaser and begins to shoot them, but then his eyes glow red and a voice tells him to come home, one that sounds like his mother. God, that was very satisfying. It was all dream, <laughs> I was ready.
1: But <laughs> Finger was on the button. <laughs> you were was ready. ready.
0: You were ready the whole time. He does wake up holding a phaser. So, this becomes a question for the whole episode. Is he, like, seeing the future of what he's going to do? Or is he just imagining that he's going to kill people? He's worried about it. I don't know. Anyway, we're back. And the USS Titan, ha- having escaped the crazy nebula, and Captain Vatic are back in Federation space, just the very edge, and they're repairing the ship. And they're worried about how the changeling got on board, despite the fact that there have been protocols to scan people since the Dominion War to make sure that they're not changelings. Riker returns the captaincy of the USS Enterprise to Captain Shaw, who graciously accepts, and then graciously tells him that he's already told on them to Starfleet, and Starfleet is on their way. And then, with even further grace, he leaves the room so that Picard, Riker, and Seven can get their bullshit stories straight, he says. Picard is like, listen, I'll take the brunt of it. Whatever's coming, you just throw them to me. Beverly wants to examine the changeling to figure out how they're different than normal changelings, though Picard makes an effort to say, hey, Jack, when Starfleet gets here, there have been many rebels who've joined Starfleet. Jack says, once Starfleet is done with me, I'll be on my way. Meanwhile, on La Sirena, Rafi and Worf are still pursuing their top secret case and they're sparring in the ship and Worf is doing all the, you must know your enemies, his aggression allows you to know his weakness, or it's whatever. An encrypted message comes in from Worf's handler, remember Worf is Rafi's handler, so we're going up the ladder of handlers and the encrypted message says they are denied access to Daystrom station, which is what they were hoping to go, and they must find another way to expose what may or may not be going on. After being upset about this, Warf does said, I, I have another lead. We're going to look for this other person in Sneed's circle, somebody by the name of Crin, the kingpin of the Vlashi Crime Syndicate. So Worf and Rafi head on down to Metallus 4, District 6. Everyone is scared of them because of what they did to the baddie. And they sit around and wait for this Crin to arrive. Meanwhile, the USS Intrepid warps in. And instead of transporting over, they send a shuttle of security officers, which is strange. Shaw is very happy about Picard and Riker facing their comeuppance. And guess who's in charge of the security team?
1: Oh, well, yes, it's Roe Laren.
0: Commander Roe Laren.
1: Commander, yes.
0: Whoa. I remember that Roe became Maquis, but I didn't realize that they were still the wounds were still open in this double betrayal between two persons. I was shocked at how angry Picard was to see Roe truly yeah. losing his cool.
1: And Terry Metalis made a comment about this was something that he really wanted to get closure on. This was something that was so unresolved for him as a fan that he wanted to bring Roe back to bring closure to this relationship.
0: Well, we got closure and then some. We might want to queue <laughs> up Faith of the Heart for later. If we, have, we still have that. Seven is told by Picard to get Jack out of sight because Picard feels like people are looking for Jack and wants to keep him safe, and Roe indicates that she is running the investigation and that the charge might be treason. So Seven gives Jack a disguise, a Starfleet uniform, oh no, not like the dream I had where I was killing people in a Starfleet uniform, Jack thinks to himself but does not say out loud. And Picard and Ro go at it in a conference room and they're, you betrayed me, no, you betrayed me, you never saw me, you never saw me. But during this conversation, Picard does notice that Ro Laren is not wearing her Bajoran earrings, which was a major part of her character. While that's happening, Beverly is going through the changeling body and realizing that these changelings are not ah, ha, 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 ha like the ones from Deep Space 9 that turn into a delicious looking golden liquid, like a big honey that you would eat if you were a bear with your paws but rather though this changeling has died it does not returned to its liquid state and beneath the skin it is not changeling fluid but rather blood and bone and plasma it looks it seems human except there's no dna so now we know they can pass the scanner and that's how they got through and also that explains why they turn into a goo that looks like wet meat as opposed to Honey. Jack is wandering through the ship. He goes into the transporter section and tries to get the chief to get him off the ship, but not to the USS Intrepid, where all the crew are being offloaded in order to alleviate the titan of its major crew since it's going under repairs. He has a fantasy where he shoots the guy, but then he doesn't shoot the guy, and then he just leaves. Wharf and Rafi finally confront this Kryn character down on Metallus 4. He is a very evil Vulcan type and this Kryn character seems to see through the ruse that Worf and Rafi have laid because Rafi was a hologram and was laying in wait in a sniper position but Kryn takes out the hologram and they capture Rafi and they bring them together and we'll come back to that in a second so we knowing that these changelings can now change not just into a gold fluid it's evolution Beverly calls while Roe and Picard are in the room talking to each other and sends that information to Picard confidentially. Now Picard starts to worry about who Ro is. Maybe this Ro is a changeling. And Ro says, we're going to go to sickbay and take a look at this changeling. But then as they're going there, Ro holds a phaser on Picard and takes him into the holodeck. And they go into Guinan's bar and Picard turns off the safety settings. And he takes out a phaser from behind the bar. And then they're facing each other and they yell at each other. And then because they're both in so much pain, they realize, aha, we are both the real people that we are because we're so flawed, which is a brilliant if Terry Metallus was trying to he like wove that into the idea of trying to figure out if these are the real people by showing that those wounds were still there. And it's a vehicle for them to then open up because Roe then explains she has discovered that Starfleet is compromised at the highest level in a world. Yeah, it's already gone away. This is what happens. You are talking, my cool voice goes away. <laughs> The Kryn, the evil Vulcan warlord gangster, makes Worf and Rafi fight to the death. They fight in a mirror of the scene where we first saw them sparring, and Rafi gets the upper hand on Worf and stabs him, and he bleeds out and dies, and it was confirmed by one of the Crin's gangster people, and they drag Worf away. And then Crin tries to intimidate Rafi into joining his organization, only to discover that Worf is not dead, that in fact, he has mastered this new Vulcan-esque Klingon. Worf has mastered the meditations of Kalesh and so is able to make his heart appear as if it has stopped, but he has bled out quite a bit. And they are able to get some information from this Crin about the Daystrom, how he helped Sneed, and the changelings break into the Daystrom Institute because it is protected by an AI that has some very illogical flaws. Now, tinfoil time? Do we
1: Absolutely. Think,
0: is this AI Moriarty? Maybe that's how we get Moriarty involved? Do you Maybe,
1: yeah. No, I don't know. Oh. I think you might be right. And I was thinking about this, we haven't seen Moriarty yet, and we also haven't seen Carol Kane.
0: Indeed.
1: And we also haven't seen Geordie. Right. So we know that there are characters to come
0: yes indeed oh you think Jordi so, might be a daystrom ooh mm. Stevie you devious you tinfoil <laughs> you keep it secret but you have tinfoil thoughts too you have crazy theories I do
1: I do <laughs> well I do yes you're absolutely right I do have crazy theories but I try and keep mine under wraps until they might be even slightly credible sure my the, tinfoil never involves Lorca
0: I okay you know what we don't have to rehash <laughs> this old argument but it could be Lorca there maybe he could fell be. to a thing and went slightly further into the future than Discovery went, but not all the way to the Discovery Mm. future, and so now he's working at Daystrom Institute. Alright, fine, probably that's not true. Meanwhile, Roe is informing Picard that there are probably changelings on the USS Intrepid, and asks Picard about Frontier Day, and says that all the ships gathering all together could be an issue, and that there's been like 12 other changing incidents and that she's been rebuffed, attempting to get to the higher levels of Starfleet to bring up that this might be an issue and basically says, listen, I've taken most of the crew off of your ship and you now have a skeleton crew. You need to take this USS Titan and run. I will try to distract the USS Intrepid. Uh, In parting, she gives him her Bajoran earring and then Ro takes her team and leaves, but as she's leaving in the shuttle to head back to the USS Intrepid, the two security officers who had spent the whole time just looking around the ship for Jack, they plant a bomb on the shuttle, and then beam out back to the USS Titan to finish their mission, because they are definitely changelings. Uh, Ro Contacts them to let them know that this is happening. However, the changelings, four of them, confront Jack as he's walking down a corridor. Just dumb luck, and then Jack has his weird visions, and he sees the red door, and he hears the weird voice, and he goes into what I describe as a Manchurian Candidate mode, or if you like, what was the movies with the guy, Matt Damon, where he's a spy, but he doesn't know that he's a spy, and he has like superpowers. Wait, you mean
1: the Born Identity? The Born
0: Identity, stuff? yes.
1: Yes, okay. I feel See, like now that's what, Yeah, thank
0: you. Yeah, I think that's what Jack has. He's although he seems to know that something's going on. And Anyway, he takes out all four of these changelings, lickety, split, and pretty intense. Meanwhile, Ensign Roe, former Ensign Roe, now Commander Roe Laren, is not able to get back to the ship. There's some sort of inhibitor in the way that prevents her from being beamed back aboard the Titan, and so she flies the ship that's about to explode into one of the nacelles of the USS Intrepid, and it explodes, and Roe Laren is no more, but that was all that they needed because as the Intrepid gets on a war footing, the Titan is able to get warped back and they are able to warp away. And so now they are truly on the run. The entire ship fugitives. Even with Captain Shaw now is up in the mess. Picard shows Riker Rose earring. Riker realizes what it is—a data chip. They see it's got Rose's whole investigation going on. And lucky luck, lucky happy accident—an incoming message from Rose, who the agents that she mentioned when she was talking to Picard that she's handling, that are seeking the root of this corruption. And so when they accept the incoming message, they are confronted with none other than the warm and smiling and beautifully toothed face of Worf. Yes. Yes.
1: Worf has 100% been to the dentist. Yeah, he went to the dentist. That's
0: it. He just got his teeth fixed.
1: Just wanted to point that out. I've done a comparison. Fun fact. If you are a fan Um, of ours on Instagram, you will see a comparison between Worf of season one and Worf now, where he has a completely different and clean set of gnashers.
0: I saw that just as I was waking up maybe 10 minutes ago, (laughs) and uh, I had another theory, very tinfoil, that maybe Klingons lose their battle teeth when they get older and get normal, like, nice teeth.
1: Oh maybe. I cute. actually noticed that his top teeth are the same. Yes. just Everything's just been cleaned. Yeah. Like, he's de- de- no, he's like,
0: definitely a- had a cleaning. Yeah. Some fluoride. And yeah. Maybe some Crest white strips.
1: Maybe some flossing because there's no meat tartar there. That we're I'm guessing before.
0: he's probably just eating less gach and stuff like that. Maybe. He's probably just having more vegetables.
1: Absolutely. Maybe now with his whole like Vulcan meditation thing, he's gone vegan. Who knows?
0: I just feel like we know that the Vulcans, uh, that the Klingons. Became warrior based, but they did have, they used to have other casts, and maybe Worf has started to discover the bright, shiny actor tooth warrior poet cast. I don't know. That's my theory. Anyway, we finally get a meetup of Worf and Riker and Picard which is a nice moment. Cut away from that immediately there's a four changes in sickbay and Jack comes in and Beverly confronts Jack and says she knows something is up. She doesn't know exactly what's up and she says she remind, he says he hasn't been sleeping. She says she knows. He She reminds him that he used to have nightmares when he was young and would be afraid to sleep. So maybe this is not something that... Something is going on with Jack obviously but maybe it's not like a new thing. Maybe it's like something he was born to have, but that wouldn't make any sense. I don't know. I got to think about that one. And he says there might be something wrong with him and Beverly says, we took out all four of these changelings a lickety split. How did you know they were changelings? And Jack says, I didn't. There might be something very wrong with me. And here ended episode five of season three of Star Trek Picard. Let's chat about that. I say darling, let's do a quick chat about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, let's do plenty to talk about. We've already discussed Worf's teeth, so what else would you like to discuss?
1: I just love that we're getting so much conflict with Picard. It's like conflict with Riker. He had conflict Mm. with Beverly. He's got conflict with Jack. Poor guy. I feel like he needs therapy every episode.
0: Yes. For all of the
1: conflict.
0: Deanna has been trying to get him to do therapy for the entirety of the original TNG series, and he was always like, no. Doctor, I just have tea, and I'm fine. You know, he hasn't had tea. <laughs> have, we haven't seen him ask for an Earl Grey hot in quite a minute.
1: I think they've been too busy to stop for a cup of Earl Grey.
0: That's why he's all over the place. He's got to sit down. He needs to sit down in a ready room and drink his Earl Grey hot and come up with a plan. Yeah, no, there's so much conflict for Picard. Mm. And yeah, and then Roe is like the straw that breaks the camel's back. He's, this is... Too much because this is true conflict, and oh, we also got that a concept of there's an, a hinted at very non-American, very esque hint at a father-daughter relationship there that went astray. I yes. feel like in an American series, they'd have been like, "You were like a father to me, you were like a daughter to me, and you broke my heart." But here, they were like, "There was much." Wait,
1: I feel like Bitcoin's getting that through the whole of this new franchise in season two with and one actually with Elnor. Yeah. Like, he had that very fatherly relationship. Yes. He somewhat got it with Seven. Yeah. And he had a little bit of fatherly relationship with his great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother, Renee Picard. There was a oh, moment right. where he was anyway. talking to her to get yeah. her back into Starfleet. But he definitely, yeah, he's got that fatherly energy that everyone loves, but we're, now we're exploring the hard side of it.
0: And you're right. Also with, oh boy, no, I'll never remember their names now, Data's kids, Daj, Daj and... S- yep. Suji. Soji. Yes, yeah, Soji.
1: Soji. Good job.
0: There was Big Uncle Energy there mm. in that first season.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm a big fan of Big Uncle Energy. Let's see. Oh yes, the changeling thing. Because remember last episode I was saying I was like, man, the changelings in DS nine turned into honey. They went into a little pot. And why do these look like wet Ground up meat, wet meat, garbage. Yeah. And apparently, this we had it explained here by Beverly saying that this is some sort of evolution. They're now able to mimic not only the outward appearance but also the inward workings, like organs and blood and tissue of beings. So I think I still don't understand the whole thing with Vadic's hand being a communicator device. That makes that's nothing. That has no precedent. DS9.
1: I have no idea unless she's not a change thing. Just but her I'm hand just thinking, is a change thing? Yeah. I don't know. But how many changings have we seen shot and killed in, because I thought the guy who, like, attacked Jack, I thought he died. He did. But they didn't examine his body.
0: Oh, wait, no, no. The guy that touched Jack did eventually die. First, he ran away, and then Seven was able to kill that one when it was posing as Ensign LaForge. And that's Oh the so one that, that
1: one became in the Forge. Okay, and got it. Sounds like wait the, I th- it
0: was like three or four different people, that's the whole thing with James. But God, got that God, one me. then there's the one that Wharf and Rafi killed that they interrogated. And now I think just the four that came from the Intrepid. Right? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, this is getting to be a bit like of a like a mission impossible kind of very complicated storyline. It's only gonna get weirder. Trust no mm. one. I got to say, this whole time I've been thinking that Shaw might be a changeling. So, ding 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 boo doo boo da Wait, that's is that James Bond? Was I just saying James Bond? That was James Bond, yeah. God, what's the Good possible dun 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 dun
1: dun dun
0: dun 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 dun
1: dun 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 dun
0: dun dun dun
1: A little bit there for you. That's royalty free. (laughs) I can't get sued. (laughs) Yeah,
0: sure. We already discussed my theory that the AI, the Daystrom. The AI protecting the Daystrom Institute might be a repurposed Moriarty brain, which maybe we'll find out. Seems like there's going to be a heist of the Daystrom Institute now, yes? I think so. Maybe. I mean,
1: was, didn't they do that already? Wasn't that what they stole? No, that but I mean, of,
0: by Picard, Wharf, Rafi, I think we're going to get Everett, the band together and maybe take on Daystrom to break in to find out what was stolen. Although, wait, that's what oh. Ro told them to find another way to do. I don't know. And then we'll find out what's the deal with Jack? Is he programmed? Is he brainwashed? Is he not Jack? Is he a changeling? Is he not human? Is he not human? Yeah. The veins, the weird red veins thing in Beverly's voice is very confusing. We don't have confirmation that his eyes actually turn red when he sees the red door, but having watched many TV series and movies where someone is brainwashed to be a super assassin or whatever that like the door opening thing and them tapping into a crazy knowledge of martial arts is very it's like a rote so i feel like that's probably what happened here but how he was like a doctor oh maybe at this tin foil time he went to school in london maybe he was trained to be an assassin but they made they like hid his Stay with me. They hid his ability to know that he's an As-Hen by making him yeah, that's how I pronounce it. By, by <laughs> making it a thing that he can only access through a certain like in times of trouble. The same way that Daj did in the first series. Like she activated when they killed her boyfriend when they were making out in episode one.
1: Okay. Yes. That's my theory. I'm sticking but why? to it. I'm sticking to it. I hear you. I think he's an asset, but why do the changelings want him?
0: Who are, who are infiltrated starfleet want Jack, and what do they want him for?
1: I know something about him.
0: But he's been prepared to take on the changelings. He took on four of them as an assassin, so...
1: Maybe, maybe that's why they want to get him.
0: Just because he's a changeling assassin? Yes. <laughs> Oh boy, do we have <laughs> Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, as always, to Set Phasers. We go immediately to the Easter Egg Desk with Stevie Bands. Stevie Bands, what have you got for us today?
1: Well, hi there, Augie. How you doing? How you doing? It's Stevie Bands here on the set of Star Trek Picard Season 3 Episode 5, Imposters. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my voice impersonations change from day to day. I love it. Did you spot anything? I just want to give you the opportunity before.
0: <sighs> Did I spot anything in my hotel room on Friday night? No, not at all.
1: The episode begins with what sounds like the 1960s classic Enterprise Bridge bleep, dee dee bloops
0: Oh, really? If you
1: notice that, yes, we had some bloopity bloops One might think this is out of place for the 25th century starships of Picard but showrunner Terry Mattalis clarified that the starfleet of this era is in a retro period when it comes to this design mm. Now, at the beginning of Season 3, Metallus told Variety magazine that the design of the Titan and other ships is intentionally a callback to the look and feel of the late 23rd century Kirk era of the classic films. And he said, I couldn't help but notice how many cars have gone retro these days. And I remember as I was driving around, I thought, what if Starfleet did that? Mm so well, right. it was very intentional to have some of these throwbacks and i think when we go back to oh i can't remember quite which episode it was where the card and Riker went onto the titan we had that yeah the
0: yeah thank you
1: the bosun's whistle yeah, the, Indeed. Wow. So lots of retro throwbacks. We had an acting captain's log. So while Picard ended last week's episode with an admiral's log, this week begins with an acting captain's log, which is the first time a voiceover log from Riker has opened any Star Trek episode since The Next Generation. Correct. Riker mentions that the ship has limped to the edge of the Alpha Quadrant, which should remind us that the Wrighton system was not in Federation space. Mm
0: -hmm. Indeed, Mm -hmm. indeed.
1: Worf says that the Daystrom Institute, or sorry, the Daystrom Station is guarded by a sophisticated AI system, which mm. you mentioned. And later in the episode, Vulcan Crime Lord Crin says the flaws in the system are most illogical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I'm waving my hand in an oral medium, foil? but I'm waving my hand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we know that the Daystrom Institute played a big role in Picard Season 1, and the name of the Daystrom Institute goes all the way back to the original series episode, The Ultimate Computer. And in Discovery Season Two, there was a huge plot point about a sophisticated die that ran amok. Yes, ran amok. amok, 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 amok. But the illogical flaws in this system could be a clue to an entirely different story later in the season, which we hypothesized with yes. Moriarty, the mobile emitters. Yes. Yes, when Worf and Raffi confront Kryn, Raffi uses a mobile image to his hologram of herself. The mobile image to tech itself originates from Star Trek Voyager, the episode The Future's End Part 2.
0: Oh, wow. And was
1: mostly used by the Doctor, as we know, which is rather fun. Shaw's list of hilarious TNG antics was rather oh, enjoyable. Very good, yes. Yeah. Let's see, that time someone hot dropped the saucer section of the Enterprise-D on a planet, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) referring to Star Trek Generations. That time someone threw the Prime Directive out the window so they could snog a villager on Baku. Wow. (laughs) I've never heard non-Brit say snog. Snog.
0: It's very weird. Snog. I went back and rewound that a couple of times. It's very it's funny, good. especially for a yeah. grease monkey from Chicago or whatever he's supposed.
1: Exactly to say snog. I've still never heard Americans use the term snog because most of them don't know what it means. That was from Star Trek Insurrection. Yeah. Let's see the time you boys nearly wiped out all of humanity by creating a time paradox in the Devron system, referring to the TNG series finale, All Good Things. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that was fun. I that enjoyed that. I think Shaw's really enjoying these throwbacks to our TNG era.
0: Yes. Shaw's really a big fan of Riker and Picard, even though he hates them. He's very well read on their shenanigans.
1: Yes. So, Roe Laren, obviously. Biggest Easter egg there. Mm -hmm. It's so obvious it's not an Easter egg. Michelle Forbes returns as Roe Laren for the first time since TNG episode Preemptive Strike. I believe that was season seven. I believe so,
0: because Roe, doesn't Roe come on like season five?
1: Yep, I think she does, so she's yeah. in it for a couple of seasons. In that episode, Roe defected to the Marquis, a group of freedom fighters who we also see in Voyager, and these freedom fighters opposed the Federation's decision to hand over certain planets to the Cardassians. Yes. Which seems very controversial. And this episode is heavily referenced right down to Jean-Luc, noting that Roe pulled a phaser on Riker the last time he saw her. Yes, now Roe appeared in the first appeared in the TNG episode Ensign Roe and was a series semi-regular, some, somewhat like Keiko Guinan and Miles O'Brien. And again, you were correct, season five. Yes. Picard and Riker initially opposed her wearing her Bajoran mm-hmm. earring, which became a bit of a plot point in this episode. And Jean Luc pulls a phaser on Ro in the holodeck and he says, Do you remember? you do remember Guinan, don't you? And do you remember that fun, that really fun episode, Rascals, that's what it was called, when they were both turned into children through a transporter accident? Oh my God. I forget who the third person but it, was it Picard as well?
0: <sighs> yeah, I remember. Picard,
1: Roe, and Guinan. And it was really fun. And Guinan was just like, yeah, we're kids again, let's play. Yeah. Oh, man. That. Wow. Maybe we have a Zoom watch party. I and want to watch, watch that. it has uh, been
0: forever. Wait, the Rascals what, one. That, one called? Brats? that was called Rascals. Oh, they're little
1: rascals, they're little rascals. I think we ought to watch Preemptive Strike again as well. The last Row episode tempt me with a good in time. TNG, indeed. But of course, the biggest shock of the episode was Row Laren's death, which is really ironic because she dies trying to save Starfleet, an organization that sent her to prison twice. yeah <laughs> yes. Um, Not unlike yeah.
0: a hero we know from Star Trek: Discovery. Role arc—it's very Michael Burnham-esque.
1: Mm-hmm. Very Michael Burnham-esque. She also dies in a shuttlecraft, and actually, in her last appearance in TNG, she and Riker win a shuttle together before she left Starfleet. Yeah. So she is the first time a major TNG character has been killed on screen since Data in Nemesis, Ugh. and if we consider her a major TNG and character, I do. okay, I think I do too. Come on, She's everyone... certainly big plot points there yeah. but i do think it's very unlikely that she will come back from the dead or be resurrected in any way like brent spiner has <laughs> so many times so i don't know i think this sacrifice is very real it's very grounded and i think it will go down in in trek history as one of the most talked about deaths mm. what do you think
0: i agree i feel like we should give her a proper send-off <laughs> commander Ro Laren. We remember when you first boarded the Enterprise, you caused a stir. Your earring was not official dress code, but you showed such great promise that even the cold heart of Jean-Luc Picard was inspired to take you under his wing as a mentor. <laughs> and I think there was even a weird thing between you and Riker, which is gross to remember. And I don't. Oh yes, they did have a thing. Yes, they yeah. right. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, you joined the Maquis, but then you rejoined Starfleet and then you uncovered a thing and you died in the line of duty, saving the galaxy. And that makes you have Feet the Heart. It's a bit long,
1: Aki, Sorry, that works. Sorry, I couldn't, I was, <laughs> I was talking, I was,
0: <laughs> as I was talking, I remember the thing with Riker, and I was like, oh, yeah, gross. <laughs>
1: mm, mm, yeah, gross. Aki, okay, that is everything here from the Easter egg desk. It is back to you in the studio.
0: Thank you very much. So much appreciated, Stevie. And let's go immediately now to Quotable Moments.
1: Quotable Moments
0: quotable moments I really enjoyed when Worf and Rafi go back to District 6 and everybody runs away from them because they're now super badass and they've become the alphas of District 6 and Rafi says you know what sometimes work is fun oh Yes. You recounted this in Easter eggs. Obviously, when the USS Intrepid comes in and they're worried about whether or not they're going to be, like, in trouble, Riker says, we saved the galaxy more than a few times. And Picard says, hopefully they'll remember. And then Shaw recounts the three major times that the Enterprise has had an issue and says, basically, when it comes to rescues from danger, you two have had a real chicken and egg thing happening. And then walks off and Picard leans over to Riker and says, those were the days sweet it's a very sweet moment
1: that was sweet i like that
0: yeah it's snogging a villager on baku
1: yes <laughs> snogging a villager that's very good i had uh, i had yeah. one Raffi and warf are chatting they arguing and warf goes bang. he throws his knife <laughs> on the floor and ruffy goes can you not put holes in my floor every time you need to make a point
0: that is that was that's a good one. I'm sorry that I didn't read that. That was a solid moment there. Wharf losing is cool. <laughs> He's always throwing knives <laughs> to end. an argument. Yes, yeah, I've achieved balance, but whenever he doesn't want to talk about something, he throws knives at someone's
1: feet. <laughs> Indeed.
0: Oh, oh oh, who says this? Does Wharf say the natural evolution of pride is downfall? That's heavy heavy stuff. Oh, and then finally when Picard and Roe have their standoff in the holodeck and they're both angry at each other and then they realize that they're both who they say they are. It's Picard who says, if this pain tells us anything, it is that we are who we say we are. I think that's all I got.
1: Alright. Shall we uh,
0: Let's go to move
1: on to next time?
0: Next time. Special next time?
1: Ooh, special next time. Next
0: time on wow. Set Phasers.
1: <laughs> oh my god oh, so triumphant. that's so much more fun isn't it <laughs> next time on Set
0: Phasers we will talk about episode 6 of season 3 of Star Trek Picard entitled The Bounty if you've enjoyed this program Star Trek but no, that's the that we enjoy that program. If you've enjoyed set phase as a highly illogical Star Trek podcast, please find us wherever you get your podcasts. We have several back episodes of shows from Discovery to Picard to Lower Decks to Strange New Worlds, and we should cover all the new Trek there is to cover in the years yes. to come. Yes, and we should. You're just rocking out.
1: <laughs> I am. I'm not paying attention at all. <laughs> yes. Da, 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 da. Volume. Da, da, da. Da, da. Right. And go to patreon.com forward slash setphasers. Join us on patreon.com forward slash setphasers where we will watch episodes of Ensign Row Laren next Sunday. We were going to do a zoom hang, but why not? Let's do, let's do double TNG fun. Love Maybe a Zoom hang after. But we would love to see you there at patreon.com forward slash set phasers. And uh, yes, yeah, Alki, you can tell the people about the, the things where they can see our stuff.
0: You can see our stuff if you're looking for it. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at set phasers Podcast. You can find us uh, on YouTube. I think it's youtube.com slash setphaserspod. Yes. Pod?
1: Yes. I'm
0: just getting a nod. I can't tell when you're nodding to the music or nodding to me, and it doesn't matter. Yes. You can, yes. Do check us out on Instagram, Meme Game Strong. It's all Stevie. And do we have any, is there any other place? No. That's it. I don't
1: think so. What else do we do Um, next? That's all from us. I am Stevie Manz. And
0: I am throwing out the Prime Directive so I can snog a villager on Baku. I love
1: that. Yeah,
0: I have, yeah, yeah. And this has been, morning voice, said Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast.
1: Well then, computer, end program. I have to figure out how to get the hell out of this. Wait. Oh, crap, it's starting again. (laughs) Stop. Wait, get to the end. Get to the end. Wait, wait. All right.